Thank you, Arnie. May God add his blessing this morning to the reading of the scriptures, and may the words from my mouth be those who God would have us to hear. When you were in the working world, if you retired, or if you're still in the working world, are there ever days when you wish you could call in sick and just have a day to relax, but you know you can't do that because there are things that have to be done? There's an old phrase for skipping out of work or skipping out of school when you're supposed to be there. It's called playing hooky. If it, it comes from an old Dutch word for the game hide-and-seek. So a person who's playing hooky is hiding. They're hiding from their boss or they're hiding from their teacher or from their school for the day. It's a good thing these days because more companies are offering personal leave days, uh, even mental health personal days, and I'm glad that's beginning to happen, so that employees can take time to relax. It's important to get time off and to relieve stress, especially if you have a very stressful job. There was a news story a few years ago about an Arizona man who needed a few extra personal leave days. His name was Brandon Souls. He faked his own kidnapping to get a few days off work. When police officers found him, he looked like he was the victim of a kidnapping. His hands were tied behind his back. He had a, a handkerchief, a bandana stuffed into his mouth. And he said that two men had knocked him out, and when he woke up, he was laying beside the water tower where the police found him. But after they investigated, the police could not find any evidence of kidnapping. And finally, he confessed that he did all this just to get a few days off. We all need a few days off sometimes, but that's kind of an extreme way to do it. Well, there was a, also a, uh, sometimes people who may not be ready to take on a serious job, and so they find a way. Uh, Andrea Barger, who was a public relations for the website for Snag a Job, asked employers to share some of the behaviors that they saw in job interviews that immediately disqualified them. And these are some things that people actually did in real life interview situations. One person brought family member with him. Another one brought a pet to a job interview. One showed up, some showed up without preparation with no knowledge and didn't know anything about the company or anything about the kind of work they were applying for. And so that was a big red flag. Some engaged in distracting behavior such as texting. Can you imagine sitting there in a job interview and texting while you're doing it? Or painting their fingernails during an interview. Those are some... Uh, pretty big red flags if you're an interviewer. Sometimes wearing unprofessional clothes. One HR director said that she had a person come in for an interview wearing a swimsuit. Another one said that he had a person come in wearing a costume. Another one had a guy wearing a t-shirt that said psycho. That'd make you want to hire him, right? Another one had a t-shirt saying lazy across the front of it. 
If someone wears a t-shirt with either of those words across the front, that person probably wouldn't be my choice. They'd probably be eliminated pretty quickly. Well, in this morning's reading from Matthew, Jesus is sending out his 12 disciples to do the work that he's doing, the work of the kingdom of God, the work of the kingdom of heaven. And this is not a job for people who are lazy. He warns them that the mission is overwhelming and there are very few workers. And he says that so few workers are ready and willing to do the work. What can he do to keep them from becoming discouraged? He starts by helping them as much as he can to see the world through his eyes. It's important for us, too, today, that we catch a vision of Jesus' view of people and of Jesus' view and sense of mission. Because people who have that vision and that mission are unstoppable once it really sinks in. Our passage begins, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. This is a glimpse of what's going to happen when God's kingdom is established here on earth. On earth as it is in heaven. His teaching, his preaching, and his healing bring the truth and the power of God to the people. And now he expects his disciples, a bunch of average people, like you and I, to do the work that he's doing? It would be an impossible task. They couldn't do it. And it would be impossible for us to do the work of God unless somehow they and we are equipped by his own spirit and his power. Without it, we could never accomplish anything. Nothing. So the first thing Jesus does is he equips us, he prepares us with his spirit of love. The story continues, when Jesus saw the crowds, listen to this, he had compassion. Compassion, that means love. He had love for them. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Boy, what a description of our world today. Aren't people lost? Don't they look like they're wandering around like sheep without a shepherd? No direction. Don't know where to go next. And then he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. The Bible tells us that there is one definite trait that proves that someone is a follower of Jesus. And that is a simple one, but a very important one. The love for people, love for other people, is a trait that proves that you're Jesus' followers. Just before he was arrested and crucified, Jesus said these words in John 13, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Look around the room this morning. Look at the other people here this morning. 
These are your people. This is your family. You folks that are watching us, you too. I'm begging you to identify yourselves, by the way, if you can. If you can do the chat on, on YouTube, please tell us who, who it is that's out there. We'd love to know. We see these numbers, and often we don't know what the names are that go with those numbers. But it's important that when you look around this room, think to yourself and ask yourself, do I love these people? God said, Jesus said, that's how you'll know that they're my disciples, if they love one another. A spirit of love changes our priorities. It gives us a mission in life. It gives us a purpose. It gives our church a purpose. It gives us courage to do things that we might be a little bit afraid to do. We might hesitate because, uh-oh, it might not work. Genuine love will always translate into these things, and it'll always translate into action, doing something. There was a conference minister that came to visit one of her churches, and before the service, the pastor mentioned that he had spent 12 years trying to convince one man in his congregation to become a follower and to become part of the fam church family. And the, conference and the pastor said, I have preached to him so long that I sometimes find myself doing it almost unconsciously. The conference minister said, you've preached to him from the pulpit? Yes, the pastor said, from the pulpit. Then she asked him this question, how many times have you ever gone to him and spoke to him with the love of God in your heart and said, I'm concerned for you. I'd like to, I'd really like to invite you to become a part of this church family. We all want to share the truth and the hope of God with other people, don't we? Yes, we do, because we know what it means to us. But we think that others are going to, I don't know, sometimes we, I think that we think that others are going to catch it through osmosis or something. Just, it's in the air, so they're going to they're gonna catch, catch it in the air. We invite people to church. We have decals on our, win, our back windows in our cars, and we have Christian symbols on our keychains and on our T-shirts and maybe even on our hats. We try to live our lives to model the example of Jesus, but if we don't have that compassion in our hearts, it won't compel us to speak to people face-to-face and to say to them, you know, I'd, I'd love to have you come to the next event we have going on at church. If you need a ride, I'll pick you up. Or, well, I know that all the doctor's clinics seem to be shut down in the area. I understand you need to have a doctor's appointment next week. And I know you don't drive. Do you need a ride? Just things like that. Showing love. Jesus equips us to share that spirit of love. The second thing that he does is provide us with his divine authority. It says in Matthew 10.1, where Arn was reading, it says, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and he gave them authority. Jesus has the power of authority over all of creation. He is God. There are times when we forget that, that he calms the storm that he turns the water into wine, that he heals sickness, that he restored sight to the blind, 
that he made a dead man rise to life. You see, nothing's impossible for God. So don't think he chose you because of your skills, because of your brains, because of your great credit score or your sparkling personality. He may use those things, those parts of you, but he doesn't need them. God only really needs one thing from us. God needs our obedience. needs us to obey what God asks us to do. Jesus equips us, if we're faithful, to do the work that he asks us to do, especially work that seems impossible under our own power. In 1955, a young man from Holland developed a passion for sharing God's word in countries where Christians were being persecuted terribly. And the young man, who went by the name of Brother Andrew, began smuggling Bibles into communist countries in Eastern Europe, such as Yugoslavia and Poland. And Brother Andrew founded an organization called Open Doors, the oldest worldwide ministry to persecuted Christians, he says. Open Doors provides Bibles, emergency relief, and other help to Christians who are being persecuted in 60 countries around the world. The work is difficult. The work can be very dangerous. In 1981, a crew from Open Doors loaded one million Bibles into 232 packages. They traveled by night into the waters just off the coast of China where they floated these 232 packages to waiting Chinese Christians who then distributed the Bibles to members of the underground church. Think of it. We ought to be so appreciative for the freedom that we have. We don't have to worry about things like that. But before his death at age 94, Brother Andrew traveled close, uh, close to a million miles and he went to 125 different countries, smuggling Bibles and providing other help for people who were under threat for practicing their faith. After his death, the president of Open Doors USA said Brother Andrew was an ordinary man who chose to go to hard places and do amazing things for one reason. He was following Jesus. That simple. Brother Andrew accomplished amazing work in his lifetime, work that lives on after him, because God equipped him and supplied him with what he needed to fulfill his purpose. As he once said about the organization that he started, Brother Andrew said, our very mission is called Open Doors because we believe that all doors are open anytime and anywhere. I firmly believe that every door is open to go in and proclaim Christ as long as you're willing to go and not worry about whether you're going to come back. Where does that commitment and that kind of courage that he had come from? I think we find the answer in verses 7 and 8 of our reading. Jesus tells his disciples he is sending them to the lost sheep of Israel. And then he says, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, here it is, freely you have received, freely give. Jesus gives us a spirit of love. He gives us divine authority. And then the final thing he gives us 
is the good news of the kingdom of heaven. This good news is power, it's truth, it changes lives. It is a reality and it is our hope, our hope for the future. Freely, Jesus gave his life for us so that we could receive all the blessings of the citizenship of a kingdom in heaven after we leave this earth. Reverend George Anderson took his youth group on a mission trip a few years ago. On their way to their destination, they stopped for the night in a little town where members of the local church put them up for the night. Reverend Anderson ended up in the home of a well-off couple. This couple welcomed him into their home and told him about their own daughter's experience on a church mission trip when she went to Mexico. It had been their daughter's first mission trip, so she wanted to be well prepared. So she had packed her largest suitcase with as many clothes as she could get in there and shoes and makeup and all this stuff. And she took lots and lots of things with her. When she arrived in Mexico, she was shocked by the poverty that she saw. She had never known that there was this kind of hunger and suffering going on in the world. And God planted a deep sense of compassion and love in this young lady on this mission trip. And she, God gave her a new sense of calling. And when her parents came to pick her up at the airport, when she returned from that mission trip, she wasn't carrying any luggage at all. And her dad said, where's your luggage? And she said, I gave everything away except my toothbrush and the clothes on my back. She no longer cared about all those clothes and all those cosmetics and all those possessions. Her values and her priorities had changed by her time out there in the world doing work for God's kingdom. She was now planning a future around her desire to work with people who are suffering and is still doing that today. Last Sunday, we talked about the graciousness and the kindness of God and God's plan to bring in his kingdom through imperfect people like you and like me. It doesn't make sense, does it? But Jesus never expects us to accomplish his kingdom work under our own power. No, he gives us the spirit of love and compassion. He gives us the ability to see people as God sees them. Then he equips us with his authority. And finally, he equips us with the good news of the kingdom of heaven, eternal life beginning now. We have been given the calling and the authority to do the work of the kingdom right now, right here, in our own communities, in our own church. Will we accept that calling? Will we trust in Jesus' power to work in us and through us as a people and as a church? If so, we will have the joy of seeing God transform lives and change through our obedience to God. Amen.